Welcome to episode 37. Today I'm reading chapter 24. This chapter is called I Didn't See That Coming. So you're going to find out what happened on my trip that was a little bit unexpected. Well, it was very unexpected and I didn't see it coming. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Crashing Into Potential podcast, where I give you the latest tips and tricks to help you stay on top of your mental game. My name is Scott B. Harris, and I'm the author of the book, Crashing Into Potential, Living With My Injured Brain. It's a memoir that was written and published after a dirt bike accident that nearly took my life. In season two of this podcast, I will be reading part two of my book. Part 2 outlines how I chose to overcome the adversity that I faced. Strap yourself in because the show is about to start. Good day to you wherever in the world you're coming in from. Hope your day is going as good as mine is. My day is going. My day is going good because I've just come back from a holiday. Uh, not a holiday. Well, yeah, it was a holiday, but it was a getaway, just for the weekend. Uh, and I, I, I really think it's it's important to be taking breaks from whatever it is you're doing to recharge those 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 batteries. When we take breaks, our brain goes into <clears throat> pardon me goes into a diffuse mode rather than a, a, a stressed and high strung mode. It goes into a diffuse mode, and in that mode, we are more creative and we come up with better ideas and we think more clearly and more straightforward. Think about this. Think about uh, when you are in the shower or when you're lying there in bed. Those are the times where the best thoughts come to our head and the best ideas come to our head. Or even when you're sitting around the campfire or when you're on a holiday and you're relaxed and, 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 and so many, so many good ideas in this world have, have been thought of around the campfire. Um, not, not, probably not that, uh, that many have actually been followed through with because there might be a little bit of alcohol uh, involved in that. But my point is, when we are completely relaxed, that is when we are at our best and when we're performing our best, a peak performance. So we want to try and cultivate that as much as possible. That's why taking breaks is, is, is awesome. I guess if you're taking too many breaks too often for too long, that's just called laziness. So get back to work. I'll be, I'll be taking a break soon from this podcast uh, i'll be talking about that a bit more in the coming week and at the end of this episode so i'm not, not talking about that right this second first off i want to show my gratitude for you taking the time out of your day to listen to what i have to say you see time is the most precious resource that we can never get back so I really appreciate you spending your most valuable asset listening to me, listening to my thoughts, and giving me feedback on my thoughts. So thank you very much for that. 
Before I get into it, uh, I'm just going to share with you three things that I'm grateful for. And while I'm doing this, how about you think of just by yourself, doesn't matter, don't tell anyone, just think of to yourself three things that you are grateful for. You don't have to say it out loud, you just, just quietly think, hmm, I'm grateful for that, hmm, I'm grateful for that, and I'm grateful for that. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. You don't have to make a sound at all. The first thing that I am grateful for is the enjoyable time that I had away with my family this weekend. It was such a uh, such a good break to have all the family up there, and we had so many laughs, and just it was really, really good. Uh, second thing that I am grateful for is just where I'm at in life right now. I'm really super stoked with everything that's been happening, um, happening to me, happening for me, and it's really just, it's just a, a really good feeling to be in this part of my life. And now the third thing that I'm grateful for is my partner's health. Uh, I'm gonna, you know, she is doing. An absolutely amazing job at the point that she's it, she's at right now, and I'll be talking about that at the end of next episode. So don't you worry about that. I'm just I'm just grateful for. I'm just sharing with you that I'm grateful for where she's at and and her her health and the amazing job that she is doing. What do you reckon? We get into it. Let's go. Okay, we're up to chapter 24, and this chapter is called, I Didn't See That Coming. And the quote that goes with this chapter is, At least it's only a couple of teeth this time, by Nicole Harris. Nicole Harris is my sister, and that was not in the book, that is out of the book. So I guess I'm going back to the book. One of our last stops on our road trip before we returned to Vancouver was Banff. The 40-hour drive was long. But we made it with a pit stop or two or ten along the way. As you enter Banff, the town seemed dwarfed by the surrounding mountains and on the, way we, on the day we drove in, the mountains were covered with snow. It was truly breathtaking. Kieran and I dropped our things off at the Samson Hostel. Daniel had always planned to stay longer in the US, so he wasn't with us. While he was having fun in the south, we would be having fun up north. We went for a wander down the main drag. The place was alive because it was peak season, but we didn't stay out late as we wanted to be on the slopes early the next morning. There are three world-class resorts surrounding Banff, Mount Norquay, Sunshine Village and Lake Louise. So we had our pick of destinations. We chose the latter for day one as we had both heard so much about what this resort had to offer. The morning air was fresh and crisp and stung the nostrils as you inhaled. It was minus 15 degrees Celsius and we loved every moment of it. We drove up the Trans-Canada Highway to to the exit pointing to the mountain. We were both pumped because the ranges were astonishingly beautiful. On my visit to Banff the previous year, I didn't actually snowboard. So this time we had arranged to do three days and tried to hit all three mountains. We arrived at the base super early, and we couldn't get our gear out of the car quick enough. 
As we made our way to the lift, we realised that the mountain we were about to confront was massive. I'll tell you what gets me excited, going to a new mountain and catching the first lift. It was coming to the end of the day and I decided to pack it in. I had had enough fun and I was super excited about seeing Sunshine Village the next day. Kieran thought that was a good idea too, but decided to do one more run before coming back to the village. It was just about time for a hot chocolate when I decided to go to the village via the men's downhill racetrack. To tell you a bit of a backstory, everyone that season was using an iPhone app that recorded your day of skiing. The distance you would would skied, your altitude travelled, your average speed, and most importantly, your top speed. Well, my top speed when I raced Kieran down in the States was 98.2 kilometres per hour, which, might I add, was stupidly fast. When you're going that fast, you're nearly breaking the speed limit on the highway. We had so much adrenaline pumping through our bones when we were racing, we could barely stand up. Being a speed junkie, I was looking for my next hit of adrenaline, and there on the on that day at Lake Louise was where I was going to find it. On the final run for the day, I was going to break the speed limit on the downhill race course back to the village. Now, because it was a racetrack, it was steep and completely smooth. I stood at the top of the run and looked down, waiting for a clear coast. It sounded as though the wind blowing through the trees was like a crowd roaring for me. I set up the app, pushed start, put my headphones in and pumped my favourite shredding track to give me my adrenaline a kickstart. Fuel by Metallica. I still can't believe what happened next and I cannot think what was going through my head at the time. The adrenaline rush was more than I had ever experienced in my life, and any clear view of the situation morphed into a blur. We're now on page 172. The run was clear from top to bottom, so I went for it. The words going through my head were, I have to beat my record. I have to beat my record. I did minimal turns resulting in an almost flat line down the whole course. My confidence was shouting at me that I had this. I was gaining speed the whole way down and I was going so fast until I wasn't. A song was blasting in my earphones and then boom, I instantly knew that I had made a very big mistake. As I flew through the air, I landed on my back and found myself in a pool of blood. The end of the course merges with another run. This was where I collided with a German snowboarder at full speed. He didn't look up the hill when when his track merged into mine. If he had, he would have seen me coming. He was going faster than I expected and he slid straight into my direct line. I couldn't react quick enough to get out of the way, so I ran straight into him. I had a helmet strapped on my head and more likely than not, it was the helmet that saved my life yet again. Despite whose fault it truly was, it was my fault. I shouldn't have been smoking in a gas plant. The facts are simple and I didn't abide by the rules. 1. I was in another country. Be extra careful. 2. I was far from home. Be extra careful. 3. I was on my own. Be extra careful. Four, I wasn't the most experienced snowboarder on the mountain. 
be extra careful. And five, I had previously suffered major head trauma. Be extra, extra careful. I was so angry with myself for this stupid preventable accident. I couldn't believe that my trip could end like that. I was dreading the call I had to make to tell my tribe what had happened. I couldn't shut my jaw because I was in too much pain, so my mum would hear only muffled words and the sound of her weeping son. As soon as my mum answered the phone, she knew something was up, and I quickly confirmed her worst nightmare. I had had another accident. We are now on page 173. After everything that my mother had been through since my accident, this broke her heart. My strangled words informing her that I was alright were not enough to stop the tears. The floodgates had opened and nothing was going to stop her from thinking the worst. What could she do? Her son was on the other side of the world. On that day, my mother and father came to the realisation that they would always be waiting for the next phone call telling them about the next accident. They also understood that they would have to let go and let me live my life regardless. I apologised sincerely and felt horrible for what I had just done. But I also knew that I was not going to wrap myself in cotton wool. Worse things could happen just by crossing the road. I learned on that day that confidence is not always a good thing, especially when it blurs your vision. From that point on, I decided to assess the pros and cons of risks before I took them. After being raced off the mountain to hospital, a few x-rays confirmed that my cheekbone was broken once again. I remember spitting out blood on the ski run with pieces of shattered teeth nearly choking me. Those x-rays confirmed that the teeth that I spat out had been three perfectly healthy pearly whites only that morning. One tooth went straight through my bottom lip. You could imagine what my face looked like. Uh, Just going out of the book quickly here. So while I was on the ski slope and after this this, uh, accident had just happened, I don't think I realized how bad it was. And I was sitting there, and, and the, the, the guy I ran into and hit the people he was with, they were the ones that, that got, uh, got the ski patrol out and got me off the mountain. Um, so I was talking to them um, a bit, and the, f- the first thing I did was, was say to them, quick, take a photo of me. Don't know why I said that, but it was, it was a horrible shot of, um, of, of, blood i guess it's a good uh, a good a good memory to have um of um of you know in my in my little my little travel memory box i guess uh, so straight away my blood was just uh, my my mouth was just dripping with blood and it hadn't swelled up yet obviously uh so so it, i kind of look it kind of looks like a halloween shot um with somebody just eating fake blood uh, and then as as time went on my 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 face just started to swell up and by the next day my face was in like my face was filthy um and I had broken my jaw uh, and my cheekbone I had ripped a tooth in half smashed a tooth in half I'd lost uh, a tooth 
which I have res- um, I've since had replaced. Um, I, I lost it. It was at the front of my mouth, and I could only talk with my mouth open, and I couldn't. I couldn't. I could because my jaw was broken. The way it was broken. And it dislodged, and I couldn't actually shut my fa- I shut my mouth completely. So for the next for the next few weeks, my mouth wouldn't shut. So in the show notes for this episode, I'll put up all of the photos that I took on the day, and then the ones that were following that um, when I was when I was back into into safe hands. Okay, back to the book. Once the adrenaline wore off. The come down was brutal, and I lay in that hospital bed in absolute agony. But with such a fragile head, I still cannot believe that the accident didn't cause even more damage than it did. Maybe it helped that my face was held together with titanium already. By that stage of my trip, I had started to feel as though I was really growing up and becoming responsible. But after the accident... How could my parents ever trust me to take care of myself? Was I just irresponsible? After a day in total pain, I received a referral from from the Banff Hospital to see a plastic surgeon in the nearest city, Calgary. With this, Kieran and I left for the big smoke and met with the man of the moment, Mr. Plastic Surgeon. As he was checking my x-rays on the light box, He found it difficult to determine what new damage there was around the titanium that was already bolted onto my face. The slight cringe in his voice while he was giving me the recommendation told me that the prognosis was not good. We're now on page 174. Your skull is pretty strong, but Scott, you're no crash test dummy. Where you've split your premolar tooth, you've also split your cheekbone. You'll need to see a plastic surgeon on Monday, and you'll have to wait two weeks for two weeks for surgery. We mentioned that we were on our way back to Vancouver, and he told us it would be best to get it checked out over there, as they had a larger hospital and more options. I thanked him, and we jumped in the car to start our trek back across to Vancouver. I was dreading the 10-hour drive ahead of us. If I hadn't been in so much pain... It may have been a may have been a delight to see the breathtaking scenery again. Instead, all I could see was red. I couldn't decide what I was going to do, and although I needed to make plans, I couldn't think of anything but the throbbing hammer inside my mouth. What would I do in Vancouver? Where would I stay? What hospital should I visit? How does their system work? How much will it cost? How do I claim it through insurance? This was the moment when my saviour rescued me from drowning in my thoughts. Jasmine arranged for us to stay in Vancouver with her distant cousin, Freddie, and his partner, Linda. Halfway between Calgary and Vancouver was Big White. Kieran and I would stop there for a night, then he, he would stay on and I would drive to Vancouver, five hours away, on my own. Solo. Solitary. Alone. This was daunting because as well as being on my own, the roads were crowded with people going to the ski fields. Also, with black ice common in this part of the world, I could only hope that things went my way. Wow. 
Let's just say black ice was the least of my worries. About an hour into my trip, the weather turned sour and the highway was hit with a snowstorm. All of a sudden, I got that rush of adrenaline I was searching for on the mountain. I completely forgot about my missing teeth and focused 110% on the road. The 100 km per hour speed limit was reduced to 50 kilometers, and for 5 hours, all I could focus on was the next 20 meters of the road ahead of me and the two tire tracks I had to drive in from the car ahead. Just going out of the book quickly here. Uh, now, the, the, the speed limit was still 100 k's an hour, but no one on the road was driving at that speed. And I couldn't really see anyone else on the road because of because of the fact that it was... Uh, there was so much snow, so uh, I didn't really interact with any other cars. I just concentrated on, maybe I concentrated on the lights that might have been in front of me. I can't really remember. Uh, but yeah, it was pretty, pretty hectic. Okay, back to the book. On a number of ca- occasions, I had to pull over because the adrenaline was taking my breath away. We are now on page 175. I needed five minutes to relax before I could drive on. Because of my puppy-like attention span, you can imagine how difficult the, the level of concentration was for me. But I worked hard to stay focused as this truly was a life or death situation. One slip up and I knew I was gone. After six and a half hours of brutal concentration, I was starting to come down from the adrenaline and I realized that I was safe. I arrived in Vancouver to a warm welcome from Jasmine and a place to stay. I was grateful for the feeling of comfort once I arrived at this checkpoint, but with the adrenaline all gone, I was in agony once again. Linda and Freddie gave us their spare room, which became my little sanctuary where I could organize everything. Knowing that I would get overwhelmed with a big to-do list, I decided to take my time and split the process up into many little checkpoints. I started with a visit to the local hospital. From there, I was referred to a specialist surgeon. I knew that that I was in good hands and I was hoping that he'd say, Sure, we're right, mate, and tell me to take a few painkillers and rest up. But knowing deep down that this wasn't going to happen, I was subconsciously preparing for the worst. Well, the worst came when he told me that, in his opinion, the best way forward would be to wire my jaws shut for five or six weeks. Ah, you what, mate? He said, this surgery will cost you $7,500 here in Vancouver. So I recommend that you go home and get it done there. He said he was sorry that he couldn't give me better news and sent me on my way with notes about how to move forward. Back in my sanctuary, I decided I would do everything I could to come back to Canada when I had finished the treatment in Australia. I didn't want my journey to end this way. I stewed on the idea, wondering if I was being realistic. The pain was getting worse, so I dosed up on an intense painkiller that I had been prescribed. This made me quite drowsy, so I lay 
like a zombie all day, wrapped in the bed sheets. I finally called my travel insurance company and the woman explained that they would not pay for any surgeries abroad if they were not deemed urgent. We're now on page 176. She also reminded me that my travel insurance only covered me until I returned home. This sounds simple in this short paragraph, but the hours I spent on the phone trying to get this information left me utterly confused. Not knowing my backstory, the lady on the other end of the line spoke at a million miles an hour and expected me to pick up all of the information she was giving me. Every word she said knocked her previous word out of my memory bank, so I couldn't take in any details. It was like my hard drive was full and new information overwrote the old. I hung up the phone that day knowing that I didn't have a clue what was going on and that I would have to ring the insurance company once again once my brain had cooled down. Back on the phone for round two. The first thing I mentioned was that I needed help in understanding what was going on. So the woman carefully explained what was happening. They needed a report from the surgeon regarding the urgency of the operation. So a phone call to the surgery was my next checkpoint. A report was then emailed to me stating that I needed the operation ASAP. So the insurance agency booked me on a flight back to Australia for the next day. That was it. Wow. I was going home. Okay, just going out of the book quickly here. And that uh, that all that 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 all took like a couple of minutes to read, but that whole I was back in Vancouver for about another week, um, trying to sort all this stuff out. So it wasn't really as simple as I made it sound in the book. Well, for me, for me with my brain injury, it wasn't as simple as I made it sound in the book. And another thing that I want to mention is that when, as soon as I hit Australia, as soon as I landed in Australia, my insurance that I'd taken out was finished. So if I was to go back out of the country to go on this trip again, to the same location, everything the same, I just needed to go back to Australia to get the surgery and go back, if that was to happen... I would then have to take out more travel insurance. So it was really, really, uh, to put it lightly, it was really, really pissing me off to have to deal with this kind of shit. It really, really annoyed me because the, the last insurance company that I dealt with, that I've been dealing with for years and years and years, was TAC. And they are, they, they are just, well, I guess they're not an insurance company as such, but the last sort of cover that I was dealing with uh, was was TAC, and they they are just so caring compared to uh, your everyday insurance company. Now I won't name any names, but let's just say, look, all all insurance companies are the same. Um, they're all they're all looking for your money um, some way, somewhere or another. Anyway, back to the book. After an emotional farewell to Linda and Freddie, Jasmine drove me to the airport. So many feelings were going through my mind at this point. But 
The physical pain I was in was clouding them. All I could think of was getting on the plane so that I could bomb another pill to ease the pain. I said goodbye to Jasmine, hoping it would only be a few a few days before I would see her again. Then, through the one-way doors, and it was, for at least a little while, see you later, Canada. And that is the end of chapter 24. Now, I'll just quickly read the first uh, first paragraph of the next chapter before I get out of here. After a long flight back home, I finally touched down in Melbourne. This was so not what I expected my return would be like, but it was great to see my tribe, who were happy to have me home. And that is the end of chapter number 24. Before I uh, before I head off, I just want to send my thanks and my love to Toby, Eddie, Hannah, and Amanda for your kind, kind words and your thoughts on on the podcast. Thanks, guys, for reaching out. I really appreciate it. Uh, as you know, it absolutely warms my heart when I read them. So, thank you very much. Uh, nothing, uh, nothing more from me this week. Um, this week I want you to pay it forward, pay it forward, uh, do something kind for somebody else to make, to make their day better and help make, help, help make the world uh, a better place, help me make this world a better place for everyone, not just me, not just you, but everyone. Uh, this week you do you and I'll do me, um, and we'll probably meet somewhere in the middle. Okay, that's it. I'm out. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to the Crashing Into Potential podcast. I really appreciate your support. You guys are the reason that I do this. So if you haven't already, hit me up at The Injured Brain, wherever you get your social media fix. And please don't forget to rate, review, and share this podcast to help me spread my message far and wide. See you in the next episode.